Welcome to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast, helping you discover everything Bradford and District has to offer. Whether you're after incredible history, entertainment, the great outdoors, shopping opportunities, luxury dining or fantastic museums, this part of West Yorkshire has something for you. I'm John Foster and today we're discovering the spa town of Ilkley. In this episode, we'll explore Ilkley Moor, uncover the history of Yorkshire's famous Betty's Tea Rooms and dip our toes in at one of the UK's last remaining outdoor pools. Ilkley is just 12 miles north of Bradford on the southern edge of the Yorkshire Dales. Now we begin today in the great outdoors at the Cowan Calf Rocks on Ilkley Moor, just outside the town. And I'm joined by Danny Jackson. He's the Countryside Rights of Way manager. Uh, so Danny, here we are on Ilkley Moor Bartat. We can't get any more Yorkshire than that, can we? No, no, you can't. No, the song is, uh, lives on in the uh, public imagination. Uh, but yeah, we're here on the edge of uh, the Cowan Calf, which is one of the most iconic landscapes in Yorkshire, I would say. And I would imagine most people in the country have heard of Ilkley Moor. And the song, obviously, Bartat. And the meaning of that is? Uh, it's uh, Ilkley Moor without a hat, I do believe. So um, don't do it, because your fate will be sealed, as the song describes. And the world-famous cow and calf, the formation of these rocks as well. Yeah, um, it's, um, some people think it's a natural formation, but actually it's um, partly a result of quarrying because a lot of the stone that actually built Ilkley was, came from these quarries on the moor. And the cow and calf area is um, part of that um, sort of mineral extraction tradition. The cow rock is the main rock that's left on the, on the main rock face and the calf is a, is a block which became dislodged and rolled slightly downhill. Um, so it's a smaller lump of rock, so hence cow and calf. Let's hope it rolls no further. Exactly. But again, it's somewhere that gets hundreds and thousands of visitors every year. Yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. And as I say, it's the sort of uh, iconic motif for uh, a Yorkshire landscape. It's used on all kinds of things from, you know, the local news has the picture of the cow and calf on it every night. So, yeah, it's well known, well visited. What else is there to do up here? Uh, there's loads on the moor itself. It's great for walking and horse riding and cycling. It's, uh, it's a highly protected landscape because it's got such a range of such important habitat and bird life. So it's, um, it's protected at international level because of the moorland birds that live on there. Things like curlew and lapwing and golden plover and obviously the grouse that are around here. So it's highly protected in, in sort of conservation terms, but also it's a really important resource for recreation. But more and more the way that we're managing it is recognising the other roles, the benefits that it brings in terms of the peat on the moor is locking up carbon from the atmosphere. And if we're re-wetting the moor as we are doing, we're helping with mitigating flooding down in the valley. So more and more our management of Ilkley Moor is about um, getting the multiple benefits, environmental benefits from it, as well as enjoying it as a recreational resource. And Ilkley Moor is a bit of a gateway, really, isn't it? Because we bump into the start of the Dales Way, which then heads off to the Lake District. So it's, it's really a good starting point if you want to explore even further away. Yeah, yeah, it's a great sort of, it's a gateway to the Dales, really, because you, you go west and north from Ilkley and you're straight into the Yorkshire Dales. And then beyond that, you're into the Lake District. In fact, the Dales Way has a link path which goes back from Ilkley through Shipley and back to the centre of Bradford. And if you look at the bottom of the Bradford Cathedral steps, in right in the middle of Bradford, there's a footpath sign that says Lake Windermere, 87 miles this way. Uh, and that comes via Ilkley. But the actual official start of the Dales Way is by the River Wharf in, down in Ilkley. You ever done it, the 87 miles? I haven't done the 87 <laughs> I've done the bit from Bradford to Ilkley, but not, not, not gone beyond, so I need to do some of that. 
All right, thanks, Danny. And we're going to head uh, the mile or so down uh, the road into Ilkley to the manor house. So I've walked a mile or so from the cow and calf into Ilkley itself, and I'm here at the manor house uh, with Sarah Thomas. Sarah, this is, uh, again, like many things we've seen on this podcast, it's a real Aladdin's cave. There's so many nooks and crannies and rooms and everything here in the manor house. Where exactly are we now? Well, at the moment, we're standing in what we call the Western Gallery. So the house um, was built in the late 14th century, so it's over 600 years old, and it is now a Grade 1 listed building. So it's viewed as a very special building in the country. And it was built within the footprint of the Roman fort, Olicana, and the materials from the fort were used to build the house. And certainly some historians believe the fact that it was built out of stone is why it survived for so long. And as with lots of our own homes, it was adapted and changed over the next 200 years. And then in the 1700s, it was divided into five, what would have been really quite small cottages where obviously people lived, rented those probably. And those cottages remained for the next 200 years until in the 1900s, the cottages were bought by Percy Dalton, who was a sort of local entrepreneur. He bought it in the 1940s and eventually it was condemned as unfit for human habitation. And um, that was in the 50s. And then it was handed to the then urban district council and I have to say I think in a very forward-thinking way they decided to convert it into a museum and art gallery which is as it is today and then in 2014 Bradford Council announced that they could no longer fund the building and so the building had to be closed so the building was then closed to the public for about three years until the Ilkley Manor House Trust was formed and took over the building from Bradford. So it's a very important part of Ilkley's history, but the, the wider history of Ilkley as well. Tell us a bit about that. Well, Ilkley has a very ancient history. It began with a very early settlement, actually up on the moor itself. And evidence of this are the amazing cup and ring rocks, which you can still see up on the moor today. And then during the Roman occupation of, of England, there was a Roman fort, which I mentioned earlier, called Olicana. And so that was part of the area where the house is, is now built. Ilkley was mentioned in the Doomsday Book and remained a small village until the 19th century. And then a number of significant things happened. One was the hydrotherapy passion, uh, where people came to take the waters in Ilkley, which was around the 1840s. And then the railway arrived in 1865. And both of those events led to major expansion of the town, both in terms of visitors coming, but also people coming to live in the town who worked in Leeds and Bradford. And also around the same time, the lords of the manor, the Middletons, sold off tracts of their land. And so all of that and the acquisition of the moor by the then Urban District Council meant that Ilkley expanded in terms of housing and people living in the town and coming to visit, but it also maintained the beauty of the moor. And so um, one name it was given was the Heather Spa, which I think is a lovely way of describing Ilkley. And so it was a very popular place to live as it remains today. And whenever you mention the word Ilkley, lots of people then form Ilkley Moor Bar Tat. Yes. But of course, 
there's so much more to see and do in and around the town and in this particular manor house as well. What, what are some of the rooms that we have here? Well, I think the first thing to say is actually just the building itself. The building is a beautiful medieval manor house and you come to it and it's quite a hidden gem in the town. You enter through the archway from the A65 if you're walking and you come into the cobble courtyard with the Victorian cottages lining it on the left side and there's the building straight ahead of you. And of course, its back garden is the Riverside Gardens down to the River Wharf. So it's actually in this wonderful setting, very hidden, but very beautiful. So the first thing is just coming to see the house. We hope we put on a lot of very interesting and uplifting and fun activities in the house, both in terms of art and heritage. And we've tried as a trust since we took over the Manor House to put on a really varied programme of exhibitions, concerts, children's and families activities. Last summer, we had the Moon at 50 exhibition, which was to celebrate man's first landing on the moon, which was 50 years ago, when we had a celebratory exhibition about the twinning of Ilkley with Coutance and the creation of the long-distance walk, the Dales Way. So we try to cater for lots of different interests. We have regular music concerts from folk to early music, we hold regular family fun afternoons with activities for younger children and a monthly local history hub where you can come and talk to our very knowledgeable local historians about anything you're interested in or about the town, your own home maybe. So that's always very popular. Um, we've got a Poets Corner, which we run in conjunction with the Wharfdale Poets and a writer in residence. And the wonderful Solar Art Gallery run as a collective by 30 plus local and regional artists. So lots of things are happening. Oh, and I mustn't forget, we have just been licensed as a wedding venue. So the community can come and get married in the house for the very first time. So from the Manor House Trust taking it over and doing a fantastic job bringing it to this point with all the events and all the attraction that, that goes on here, it's still moving forward, not sitting back on their laurels, we're still moving forward and trying to find the next thing to entice the generations through. Absolutely. I mean, we, as a trust, we're a volunteer-led organisation. So there are six trustees and certainly our drive is to make the houses accessible and enjoyable for the wider community and for visitors coming to the town because, as we were saying, Ilkley is a very popular tourist destination as well. But we want it to be somewhere where people bring their friends and family and, and come back repeatedly. So not just coming once, but seeing it as a real destination that they can come to time and again. And a real community feel about the Manor House as well. Absolutely. The whole notion of the Manor House is that it was a community asset transfer from Bradford. And so really the name says it. It's an asset for the community, for them to come and enjoy the space, bring new ideas. We're always open to members of the community suggesting things we could do in the house, holding exhibitions about their own organisations. So, yes, it's very much embedded in the community. Out of all the rooms in the Manor House, which one's your favourite? Probably, um, it's very difficult because I do love the house, but probably the Eastern Gallery where the Solar Art Gallery lives. I just think that has the most beautiful light um, and it's probably my favourite room, though it's very difficult to choose. So come down, have a look around Ilkley Manor House. Thanks, Sarah. We're uh, going to head off now across to Ilkley Playhouse. So here we are now on the stage inside the Ilkley Playhouse. It's set up for a play at the moment. And with us, we have the artistic director, Jay Cundell Walker. Jay, 
Tell us a little about the history of this it's fantastic, intimate gathering space. Yes, it's a lovely place. We're very proud of it. Um, well, the actual players have been going 91 years now, um, and but they started as a group in another set of premises. And uh, then it's about 70 years ago, we finally moved into these premises and gradually redeveloped them. It used to be a liberal club, so it wasn't a theatre to start with. We've had this um, auditorium that seats 145 for the, the, you know, being developed during the whole of that time. But in 1999, we were lucky, it's very difficult now, but in 1999, we did get a lottery grant. So we developed the back of the theatre, improved this stage but built a studio space as well so now we have two theatres in operation which keeps us extremely busy I dare say and the sort of productions that you put on I assume it's it's anything and everything yeah, absolutely. Really, really wide range. Upstairs here, we do things that are a bit more what you call box office because we run for nine or ten nights, sometimes a fortnight with a musical, seating 145. So we need a lot of people in. But in the studio space, we do things that are a bit more um, edgy, uh, more modern, cutting edge, new writing, opportunities for new actors, different things down there. And that is, I have to say, becoming increasingly popular. I think that whole idea, like the Edinburgh Fringe of things that last an hour or so and are a bit unusual, is bringing in bigger audiences than what we used to think of being the box office here in the main theatre. So we're constantly reappraising and thinking again. But downstairs we have what we call our fringe as well. And so we do a lot of really new stuff. And very often we're lucky to have the author will come and do a question and answer afterwards for us as well. And the Playhouse... You couldn't do it without the support of the volunteers. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's run on a semi-professional basis, so we do have paid office staff now because there's such a lot of things going on. I mean, one thing I didn't mention, and uh, Justine, our general manager, would be cross if I didn't. We have loads and loads of external events, just one-night things. So comedy club, music nights, things like that, which she organises for us. I'm responsible for the longer-running things, which have all got volunteer actors in them. Uh, but also you know we can always get people who want to act everybody wants to show off don't they but we need a massive team so we've got a lighting box we need people up there backstage stage management all that sort of thing and then the really practical jobs like front of house selling the programs selling the coffees working behind the bar so if you want to volunteer there are thousands of opportunities here to do different things so you can't do it without the support of the volunteers and, of course, the support of the local community who actually come in to watch what you put on as well. And that's getting better and better and growing all the time. Yes, and changing. The profile of that is changing um, and has to change. We've had lots of really, really loyal supporters, you know, for up to this 90 years. And so there's an inevitability in that, in that a lot of them are no longer with us uh, and currently are feeling too ill and vulnerable to be, to be out there. So we're having to try and attract uh, those younger audiences. And that's where the studio space and this interesting new stuff is attracting and bringing new people in. But we've got some fabulous volunteers who are in their 80s so we love to have those volunteers who come down and sell programs and are perfectly happy and capable of doing that and feel a part of things so I think it's a really good community facility. And the art scene in general in this part of uh, West Yorkshire is thriving. 
Yeah, very strong, I think. And uh, I think what's important is we do try and support each other. We don't see ourselves as being in competition because even if we've got a play on the same week as Bingley Little Theatre, for instance, people only come one night. So they could go there, pick up our leaflet and then come here later on in the week. So we do try and work together. Obviously, we sometimes need to share actors um, because if you want excellence, you know, there aren't thousands of them out there and technical skills. So it is about working together. And of course, right across the road from us, we have Ilkley Operatic Society. Now they perform at the King's Hall and Bradford Council put on lots of things at the King's Hall. So there's lots to see there. And then in this area, fantastically in the autumn, we have the Ilkley Literature Festival, which brings people in from, well, it brings speakers from all over the world, literally, but certainly some very high profile people brings in lots of folk. We do get people who come from quite a long way. They particularly like the matinee because they can go out for lunch or go out for dinner afterwards. Or even if you come in the evening, there's so many lovely restaurants in Ilkley. It becomes a central hub and that is fantastic. And we do try and, you know, all support each other. We always walk in the carnival parade and feel part of everything that's going on. It is about all trying to work together. Good to talk to you. It's great to be sitting here on the stage at the Ilkley Playhouse. Do you cycle? Cycle? Uh, no, actually, I can't ride a bike. Isn't that awful? Well, get your stabilisers ready because we're off to find out about the cycling scene here in Ilkley. So as we continue our journey around Ilkley today, we've stopped off at the Commute Cafe. Now, as we know, cycling is very much in vogue at the moment, and with things like the Tour de Yorkshire, which has taken place over the last couple of years around Yorkshire, it really is the in thing around the Ilkley area. And Gavin Smith is the owner of the Commute uh, Cafe. Literally, this is biker's heaven. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've been here oof, nearly four years now, and it's sort of a uh, definitely a coffee house for, for cyclists and outdoor lovers, really, you know bike parking and and plenty of friendly faces inside in lycra and but we're um we're, we're open to anyone and we often find there's quite a a lot of um similarity between people who come in where they have they maybe have some connection to cycling or some connection to to running or the outdoors or kind of that kind of speciality sport um whereas they can come here and feel at home get some good food and coffee in the past five years to ten years, cycling has experienced this boom, this explosion, and things like the Tour de Yorkshire really have put this area on the map in terms of that sport. Yeah, definitely. It's absolutely boomed, you know. Tour de Yorkshire's great, and then it's just brought so much to the area, and it's given so many people the positive vibes to be able to get out there, get on their bike. It's created so many different cycling groups as well, whether that's just friends and uh, groups that get together and, you know, just say, let's get on our bike and do some exercise and fitness and things. Yeah, and, th and then there's the tourist element. It's fantastic. And inside the commute, as it says on the side, cycle, cafe, coffee, bikes, food and repairs. It's the one-stop shop for anything. So even if you get a puncture or you need a spare for your bike, you've got it here. Yeah, you can you can pull up and um, we'll do you know we'll do any repairs on the bike while you wait. You can have uh, some lunch and coffee and browse around in the shop uh, where we've got kind of absolutely everything for anybody interested in cycling. Yeah, we're a one-stop shop for sure. 
And you get people not only from the Ilkley area from West Yorkshire, but I dare say from around the country because they've seen the Tudor Yorkshire on the TV and they want to come and experience the great outdoors here in West Yorkshire. We're constantly talking to our customers. We always give them a good welcome and you end up chatting to a lot of people and they're from all over the world, basically, whether they're on holiday or, or they're visiting family here and their friends have recommended us or they've seen us somewhere. And it's just great that they're coming down and getting involved. As a novice cycler, where's the easiest route round here, would you say? Uh, I'd probably say you've got a nice run out to Bolton Abbey. It's not too far, not too hilly. Uh, and is you get some nice scenery and things by the river, so yeah, be a good one. And as a seasoned, hardened cycler, where's the route to really test me round here? Uh, just off the top of my head, you could definitely go all the way out through to Grassington and Kettlewell. You can maybe head up Park Rash and over the top that way, or straight away in Ilkley, you could start with a cow and calf climb and then go from there, really, yeah. <laughs> You said that and you didn't look at all pleased about that. That's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tough one, definitely, definitely. I might give that one a miss then. I might go after Bolton Abbey on the easy one. Okay. So, as we said, cycling is experiencing such a boom that really, if you are in the Ilkley area, the Commute Cafe is somewhere where you've got to come and you'll meet your kindred spirit. It sounds cheesy, but we see it often where you'll get a cyclist on his own and then maybe a couple of others come in and they get chatting over what's on the TV. There'll be a race on or something or the coffee or food and then, you know, they'll quite often sort of get chatting to where they're going next and the three of them are then leaving together. You've found a new cycling buddy, so. We've been running the Monday Night Social Rides more or less ever since we started and they've grown from um, it just being sort of one group on a Monday evening to now we've got three groups um, right the way from a a nice kind of steady ride uh, for you know beginners or anyone returning to cycling um, with an intermediate and then a sort of an advanced ride. But then we also do um, a Wednesday morning ride, uh, Sunday morning rides and uh, like a Thursday mountain bike ride that we're just starting now, the weather's getting better. So yeah, we, we, we really encourage people to just come down, get in chat to us and we'll help you get on the bike. We've got a ride there where you can find some friends and ride ride to whatever pace you like. So it doesn't matter, whatever your ability, there's something here for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we understand that um, in Yorkshire, there's a lot of fantastic cyclists. There's a lot of kind of fast riders and, and it's a really big sport. But we also understand the social element of it where people want to ride to meet friends and they don't want to, you know, go absolutely mad riding around. They want to go nice casual rides, cafe stops, you know, pub lunches. Um, and we're just a great place to kind of introduce those people, get them riding, give them a place to, to sort of start and finish and, and kind of hang out from. So, Well, you sold me. I'll be back on my bike. Thanks, Gavin. Now, no visit to Ilkley or even a visit to Yorkshire would be complete without popping into the legendary Betty's Tea Rooms. And they're just a short walk away. Now, the business was founded by Frederick Belmont from Switzerland in the early 1900s. And let's find out more from Dan Jeffries. He's the brand communications manager. We're just outside on the parade of shops. If you've seen a film, a private function, you will know this part of, uh, of West Yorkshire really well. And their resplendent is Betty's Tea Room. Now, everybody in Yorkshire, Dan, knows about Betty's, but there might be somebody from outside who hasn't heard of the phenomenon. Tell us a little bit about it. So, yeah, for those who don't know Betty's, we're a, a traditional cafe tea rooms. There are six Betty's across Yorkshire. Um, we're outside Betty's Ilkley today. There are two in Harrogate, one in North Allerton and, and two more in York. We celebrated our centenary last year 
So we've been in Yorkshire for 100 years, uh, founded in 1919, actually by a Swiss immigrant, which surprises a lot of people because when people think of Betty's, they think of this sort of quintessentially English tea room. And yet, actually, the history of Betty starts in Switzerland, and our founder was from Switzerland. And I think his, his vision for Betty's was this, a place where everyone would feel welcome. That was really important to him. A place that was really beautiful. He, he, it wasn't just that he wanted really tasty treats. He wanted really beautiful surrounds as well to make people feel special. And he wanted those treats that he sold to look beautiful. I think we're best known for afternoon tea and uh, a giant scone with a face on called the Fat Rascal. <laughs> Which we are going to try, obviously, a little bit later on today. But isn't there a story behind the founder coming to Yorkshire? Quite by accident. Yeah, it's an amazing story, actually. So he, he comes to England in 1907. He'd left Switzerland quite young. He had a very hard childhood actually he'd been orphaned at the age of five because there was a fire in the mill that his parents owned um, and at that point in Switzerland they had this system called Verdenskinder which essentially meant that orphan children could be sold and, and he effectively was sold to a farmer um, who brought him up and he, he worked uh, at that farmer's mill but left as soon as he could. I think he was 15 when he, when he left. And then he travelled around Europe, learning various skills, patisserie, chocolate, and eventually decided he was going to come to England to seek his fortune. He got on a ferry and he met a Swiss couple and they drank a lot. He lost a piece of paper that had an address on it for a business that he was going to. He'd managed to set up a job for himself in England. But yeah, he lost this piece of paper on the ferry. So, so he ends up in London, at railway station London, trying to remember what the name of the place he's supposed to get to. And all he can remember is it sounds a little bit like Bratwurst, who's a German-speaking Swiss. So he goes around the platform saying, Bratwurst, Bratwurst, to these perplexed locals. And, and eventually someone says to him, hey, do you mean Bradford? Uh, and he's like, yes. Uh, so they, they, they put him on the train to Bradford. And, and he arrives here after a long journey penniless, unable to speak English, and by stroke of good fortune finds a business in Bradford owned by a Swiss. It's called Bonnet and Sons, um, and it was on Darley Street in, in Bradford, and uh, he gets a job there. That's amazing. It's meant to be, wasn't it? It was meant to be, all because of a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But why the name Betty's? Where does that come from? Why Betty's? Well, we don't know, is the short answer. There are various theories... One goes that they were having a board meeting to, to discuss what the name should be. And the granddaughter of one of the people in the board meeting came in, and she was called Betty. There was also um, a, a play that was really popular at the time about a, a I think she was like a parlour maid who, who kind of made good and married a, a lord or something like that. And in, in this story, she was called Betty. But actually, we don't, we don't know. We don't, know, we don't actually know where it comes from. So there's something we must try and find out. If anybody else knows, you can get in touch with us when you like and rate the podcast. I mean, just looking at the shop across the road there, you know, it, it is so ingrained in Yorkshire and particularly in this part of uh, West Yorkshire in Ilkley. You get tourists from all over the country, all over the world coming here. That must be fantastic 
for the company. Yes, for, yeah, very much so. I mean, it's, it's, it's strange to think, actually, that a little tea room in Yorkshire could be as, as famous as, as we are. Um, I mean, if you look at our social media pages, you can see that we have fans who are in America, fans who are in Australia. We frequently see posts from people who visited from China and Japan. So it's an amazing thing. I think that um, Betty's is somewhat unique. There's nowhere quite like it. I think it's this blend of all these different elements. It's, it's a very welcoming place, you know. You don't have to get dressed up to come to Betty's. Any, anyone can come and people feel that kind of warmth, that warm welcome when they arrive. And I think that's the Yorkshireness coming through. You know, Yorkshire's a really welcoming county. But then on the other hand, you have all these really dainty, precise treats which bring a whole other character and and i think for people who are visiting the uk and visiting yorkshire it's it's a sort of really unique experience that they want to have when they're here and yeah you're quite right that's a wonderful thing for us it's got a certain style and panache that's quintessentially english but quintessentially yorkshire as well would betty's ever open outside of yorkshire or is it just going to be a yorkshire phenomenon there are, there are no plans to open outside Yorkshire. There's a practical reason why we wouldn't open. That's because, we, because of the location of our bakery in Harrogate and we deliver fresh to our cafes every day at sort of, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> if we open outside Yorkshire, we couldn't get to those places in time. So then it would raise questions about, well, would we open another bakery? So it's a practical reason, but there's a kind of cultural reason as well. Like, Yorkshire's our home. And I, I sort of feel like, although we often hear messages like, "Would oh, please open in London or Chester or Bath. I actually think people like the fact that to have that experience, you, you have to come to Yorkshire. I think people value that anyway. So I don't think it'll ever happen. No, I don't think we ever will. We've mentioned some of the other locations. Of course, we're here in Ilkley, which itself, I mean, the parade of shops, as we said, is, is thriving. There's a lot of independent stores, a lot of high street brands here. It's just a fantastic place to base somewhere like Betty's, isn't it? The whole mix of everything. Yes, it is. It's got a lot of character and, as you say, a lot of independent businesses which bring personality to a town and it gives people reason to visit. The other amazing thing about Ilkley is you've got Ilkley Moor, you've got the Dales just a stone's throw away. It's an absolutely beautiful part of the world. So there are a lot of reasons to come here, absolutely. And and it's it's a really unique little town. Good to meet you, Dan. Thank you for giving us a little insight into Betty's. We're going to pop in and obviously we're going to have a, a fat rascal, if that's OK. And once I've eaten that, there's definitely going to be no swimming for me at our next location. Well, one place that you must come to when you're here in Ilkley is, of course, Ilkley Lido. And Danny McLennan is the operations manager for sport and culture here. Danny, this is just amazing. On a summer's day, with that view of the uh, the hills and obviously the, the houses spotted around sporadically, it's an amazing, amazing view, this. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I don't think you get many views like this from any other sort of sports facility around. And... Uh, Having something like this with us and to look enough to manage it is quite an honour, really. Tell us a little bit about the history of it. So it was opened in 1935 as part of the King George V Silver Jubilee celebrations. So it's been a permanent fixture here for about 85 years. There can't be many Lidos like this left around the UK, so for one to be in the Bradford district, that's incredibly lucky. Well, yeah, as far as I'm aware, this is the only one that's left in Yorkshire, um, well, operationally anyway, that's still open to the public. Um, there are a few dotted around the whole UK, 
And the thing that makes us a little bit different to the rest is that our pool isn't actually heated. The pool itself is all cold water. It's all filtrated like a normal indoor pool, but it's heated based on the elements that, that's obviously the sun, the weather and everything. But still people come to it? Oh, thousands. During the, the, the past couple of years, we've had the really, really peak summers. Um, we've had capacity. The ground can hold up to 2,500 people. Therefore, obviously, it's just, it's even. Um, some days we're, we're doing one in, one out, and we're just sort of like it's a constant flow of customers coming in throughout, uh, throughout those busy days. And obviously with the cafe here as well, even if you didn't want to take a dip, you can still come and get a coffee. Yeah, exactly. We do a range of different foods. So there's obviously a range from chips, burgers, through to your salads and your sandwiches. So, But yeah, there's food for everybody and it's it's a great day out, really. The ticket when you come in, it's an actual day ticket, so you can come and go as you please. It's not necessarily paying and then you stay for an hour and then you've got to go. You, you pay your fee and you can you can be on site all day. You get people from far and wide, do you? Oh, everywhere. Like I say, because we are one of the only Lido's around, um, we get people come from all over. We get from Manchester, obviously Burnley's not too far away, Leeds, e- everywhere really. So it's, it's really, really quite popular within, obviously, not just Yorkshire but further afield as well. And we've got the Lido here, but obviously we've got some indoor facilities. We do. The indoor facilities were added to the grounds uh, in about 1974, and we do have an indoor swimming pool, indoor changing facilities, as well as all the outdoor ones as well. Obviously, the indoor operates all year round, whereas the Lido only open seasonally. OK, so when are you open? Uh, so the Lido normally opens at the end of May, bank holiday, um, and then we operate all the way through to the end of August, potentially the early September, depending on uh, weather conditions, really. But on a summer's day here, it's just absolutely glorious. What a view to take in and have some fun. Oh, yeah, it's outstanding. It's such a great family day out. Thousands and thousands of people turn up. Let's say if they're not swimming, they're playing in the, on the grass with the, the kids and the, the footballs and the toys and the games. Ice Cream Man comes along as well. So it's he, just a great family day out for everyone. All right. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for showing us around here. So if you're all about the outdoors, Ilkley is perfect for you. Or if you're like me and you fancy some shopping and a cream cake, Ilkley has all of this and loads more besides. Thanks for listening to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast. In the next episode, we'll be returning for another tour of the city of Bradford. To get more information on this remarkable part of West Yorkshire, head to visitbradford.com. Until next time from Ilkley Lido, goodbye.